discussions keyword unprincipled and we try to have principled discussions uh we try to anyway about such topics as entertainment current events politics and culture our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives i'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host jason moret and today we have a special guest on the show mr paul baba you can catch our um expac uh, episode which should be up after or before this one uh, where we talk all about Paul's comic uh, we talk about comic books and the comic that he's publishing little ball of hate but we actually had him on the show because we're talking about art today and Paul is a self-proclaimed artist he's actually a pretty good one I've seen his work um, but we're talking about art today and uh, you know how art fits in with society reflecting society we're talking about uh, art and free speech and all of that but before we get into that Jason, how are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good. You hanging in there? I'm good. I'm good. We're going to make it through tonight. All right. And Paul, welcome. Welcome to the show. I hope you have a lot of good stuff that you're ready to talk about with art. I am art. always opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, which is what I love about you. That's why I wanted you on the show, because you have all kinds of great... What I love about you is the fact that you're an artist... Um, and you have some great opinions about other artists, and uh, and that's that's what we want to that's what we want to hear. Well, I mean, I, as a person that's in that field, I, I see a bunch of the the weirdness that people think, <laughs> yes. and, it, and it annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get we'll get into that. Um, for everybody, you can catch um, all of our RSS feeds for all of our uh, audio podcasts off of our website at fusionunderground.net. We do have a Facebook page at AZ Fusion Underground on Facebook. Just do a search for Fusion Underground and you will find us. We are on YouTube. You can look, uh, just do a search on Fusion Underground and we come up on there. Um, also, our videos are on BitChute. Um, and all of our podcast feeds are on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio, Public, and Stitcher. You can catch all those RSS feeds either directly through those websites or off of our main page. And as always, you can send us email to uh, contact at fusionunderground.net. And we are on Twitter. Well, I am on Twitter anyway. Jason is not. But you can find us at the FU Brothers on Twitter. Yes. At the FU Brothers. So, uh, yeah, you can send us all that. But please send in hate mail. Contact at fusionunderground.net. All right. So artwork. I don't have anything funny to share. You know, I've been... I've been scouring things, um, and I just, uh, I don't have anything that was, that was really interesting or funny. So you mean in the news about art? Yeah. I oh, don't. the comic industry is a, a dumpster fire. You can go, you, you don't keep up with that. 
Well, I try not to. <laughs> oh, it's a- <laughs> <laughs> What is what's happening? Well, what's let's start with there. Let's start there. What's what's happening uh, new in the comic book industry that is a dumpster fire? As of right now, you have Diamond Distributor, which is the monopoly that distributes comics, has basically they shut down right at the coronavirus thing because they ran out of money after you know eight days, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I find hilarious <laughs> because you know you have a company that can't support itself for eight days, and in the meantime, DC basically gave them the bird. And they're distributing through another company now. Have and they picked people, that other company? Yes, have they have. They it? Okay. They they announced it Tuesday. Hmm. So, you know, this is six thirteen. So, you know, earlier this week, and everyone's on this this thing that you have to give Diamond like this chance to do it. And DC was literally like, uh, "No, we need to make money," <laughs> because. <laughs> and then the distributor the they picked is hilarious because Diamond is known for shipping comics to comic shops that are damaged. Like the boxes look like you just threw them through a shredder, and like the, they showed like the and they're just like diamond packed their boxes with just like wrapping paper, just like stuffed in there to keep them from moving around. Their competitor, they open the boxes, they have pictures of it. They're bubble wrapped. The comics are, they bubble wrap them. They're in perfect condition, and people are just like, so this is actually how you really ship, huh? Wow, <laughs> I know Diamond has been in the comic book industry. Diamond has been. Uh, well, they've been a dominant player for a long time. What is it, 20 years now or something around that? Around well, that? they're a monopoly through happenstance. Basically, the other distributors from the 80s kind of went out of business or got bought out by Diamond, or actually sold to Diamond. They didn't get bought out. They just said, hey, Diamond, do you want to buy us? And Diamond did. So they became a monopoly just because. And, and since they're a monopoly, they just don't. I mean, they would ship just garbage to people of like, torn up comics but it was the person you had to deal with and i guess he's kind of a nice guy so the geppy or whatever his name is that runs it it's kind of a nice guy so people just kept with them and now that this coronavirus has just broken the back of comics i think i don't think it'll ever be what it used to be i don't think it can come back now you're muted dude i am i am muted um, I, I don't think comics are going to come back in any way um, after after the whole coronavirus thing either. Because, well, well, one, ha, have you seen what they're actually trying to do with with comic books? I mean, the, they've gone completely woke in the process of coronavirus as well. So we've got, I, I mean, we have new we have new comic book heroes literally called like social justice warrior, right? No, um, safe space and um, snowflake. Safe space. That's right. Safe space and snowflake. Yes. Safe space. Which that is the new mutants, I believe, which has been somewhat canceled or pushed back. It's just like, I mean, when you make Captain America a Nazi, always been a Nazi, and they didn't change that. He, it, they didn't retcon it by saying, you know, like, ooh, he was mind control. Oh, no, he, he was a Nazi. Or, or Hydra, which is basically a Nazi. Yeah, and you just kind of like, you know, the the hundreds of thousands of fans of Captain America. You're like, mm, no, that book no more, because you you ruined my character. Yeah, why why would anybody want to why would anybody want to read that uh, you know read that so, character after so you, here, after here, you ruined it? So here here's my rant on the, the comics. I don't think think it's going to go into the independent of a couple people just kind of producing comics on Kindle and stuff of that nature. Oh yeah, that's the safe space and snowflake are on the far left. Those yeah, two the, right there. The, Who are the, brothers? Do those look like brother and sister? They're really kind of emotionally attached to brother <laughs> and sister. 
Yeah, the blue one is, is snowflakes. In the country and that then, looks like brother and sister, but yeah. And then yeah. the dude in the center in green there is a guy that has internet powers. He can be part of the internet because his dad was experimenting with internet gases, whatever the heck that is. Yeah, whatever. Internet gases. Internet gases. Okay. And then sure. the, uh-huh. the the heavy set girl on the right, right there, is her power. She can take stuff out of her backpack. She's got a bag of holding. Backpack. She has a bag of holding. No, no. You know what it is? You remember the old cartoon Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the wizard's hat. He the pulled his hat and pulled stuff out of it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And then, then they have the little emo kid on the end there that's called B negative. B negative? He's like a vampire, right? Well, he got accidentally infused with Morbius's blood through okay. a bad transfusion. Okay. Through a bad so I don't know okay. why you would take blood out of Morbius in the first place because you know he he doesn't look like a human being. <laughs> now is 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 this a is this more is this uh, O positive? Is that what you said? O negative? No, B negative. B negative. Because you're you're being negative. See how that, how clever <laughs> they are there. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> why not? Um, is this a guy? Is this a guy right here? The um, B negative. Are you gendering him? Oh, for crying I, out I, I guess I am. I guess I am, really. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know if it's a guy. I'm going to say yes. Just It's a 50-50 shot. Yeah, right? Unless it's, fluid. Unless, yeah. unless it's fluid. Unless um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand what's happening. And then, and, then, well, and then this just permeates, right? So it's not just in the comic. It's not just in the comic book side, right? It also, it also expands into... Um, comics that are on television i mean just this last week we had the actor who plays um oh gosh he's on the flash he's the stretchy guy i forget his i'm blanking on his name right now he's like mr fantastic but on the dc side um he can stretch and create all you know like stretch his arms like a mile long and all this kind of stuff um he was fired because he made some uh some insensitive comments on twitter back uh, a few years ago and they resurfaced magically and uh, the WB fired him. They kicked him off the show. So he's gone. Uh, you had the, um, the actress off of, what is it, Batwoman? She quit. And um, the WB or whatever, whoever it is that produces it, um, you know, there was, when she was hired, it was, it was like a mandate that, that uh, the actress actually be a lesbian in order to play the character of Batwoman correctly. And so now they have to find uh, a new lesbian to play that role, which I, I, I'm not against uh, any, you know, a character being lesbian or anything like that. But the, the idea that you had to find somebody who legitimately was a lesbian in order to play the role just seemed a little ridiculous. I mean, isn't that the whole point of actors is you play a role? Um, well, well, being that we don't have an actual bat woman, she's playing the role of that woman. Right. <laughs> she can't play the role of a lesbian too. Or does it make no sense? Right, but no, that they the, the I think her name is Ruby Rose. I think is the girl they that that quit. Yeah, something they like screwed that, her yeah. up bad because it's the whole reason she almost got paralyzed from a okay. bad accident on set. So I don't think she wanted to be on that no more. That's uh-huh. why she she dished out. Plus, it gets like zero ratings. No one likes it. Yeah, so, who's watched it? No, I don't think anybody's actually watched the show. Uh, pretty much show. YouTubers complaining about it. The, yeah, <laughs> Catwoman. Um, you know, and I used to watch The Flash and Elongated Man. I knew his name would come to me. Yeah. His name in DC Ralph is Elongated Dibb. Man. Yes. Well, that's uh, what they picked it as his name. That's why I hate yeah. DC. They don't have good names on the DC no. side. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't have. They're always right on the nose. <laughs> it literally like too much. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> what kind like, of man is he? He's a Superman. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hey, 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 watch your mouth. <laughs> he dresses like a bat. What do we call him? Bat Batman. <laughs> and then if it's a bat woman, we're just going to call her bat woman or bat girl because she's not a woman yet. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, they're, they're always too, too red on the nose to the point where their names are a little ridiculous. Elongated man. Like he couldn't think of another, of a better, of a better phrase or a better name. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of craziness going on and uh, in the world, and I think art begins to uh, to reflect that. I mean, we've got uh, the Chaz protesters up in uh, up in Seattle. There was a, actually a clip on on I think it was MSNBC or CNN that said live from the U.S. Chaz border, and wow. the reporter was was there at the. Uh, you know, at that little, for those who don't know, Chaz is, what is it? Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is what it stands yeah. for. And it's yep. this area in Seattle, downtown Seattle. I, the best Capitol explanation Hill. I've ever heard of that. It's revolutionary LARPing. Revolutionary LARPing. Yeah. There yes. was a guy dressed in, uh, dressed in plate mail, plate armor. He was, <laughs> Jesus. he was literally dressed in plate armor. Uh, and he had like a red cross on him. So he was the medic. He's a medic. Um, but there, you know, there are people that are now trying to create this, this artwork that's supposed to be revolutionary. And so uh, that's, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this topic, you know, how does art fit in with, with society? So there are different ways to look at, well, you know, people have been debating what is art, what is, what constitutes art for, for a long time. Um, and, and I think we're, obviously we're not going to, we're not going to answer any of that here we're not going to answer definitively for the world what art is or what art is not um, speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> um, but we know that it's something that is created right and we know it's done through some kind of a creative outlet um, you know there are some scholars who look who view art and and i'm one of them i'm one of the people that thinks that something is art if it if it's designed to explore the unknown I think there are some, there are people like me who look at it a little bit more heady, if you will, and think that, you know, true artists, and I'm talking about like, I'm talking about, you know, not to belittle you, Paul, don't take this the wrong way. But when I'm looking at, when I look at things like, you know, I had the few years ago, we went to, we went to Rome and Florence and, and I had the, the privilege of seeing Michelangelo's David, which is a very awe-inspiring um, piece of artwork that was there. Um, and it's, it's amazing to look at the detail that a single human can create in, you know, in Rome, I toured, I toured the Vatican and the Vatican museums and looking at all of the artwork that is up on the walls and painted on the ceilings and the you know, various walls and everything from room to room and the sculptures. And you think, wow, people actually, they did this, they created these things. And, and then you, you come to back to the United States and you have these postmodern artists who like, um, What's that guy's name that used to squirt ketchup Pollock. on on the wall? Pollock. Is that his name? Or yeah. I was thinking of Cy Twombly. He kind of does some of that oh. kind of stuff. But he's, Pollock was the famous for splashing paint all over everything. Okay, Pollock, Cy Twombly, same kind of. You know, these are people, artists that are specialized in abstract expressionism, and they just, to me, they just don't meet the same kind of criteria. And yet, people fall all over themselves to talk about these particular artists. Um, so Jason, have you seen these kind the, this kind of art that I'm talking about? Have you seen that before? I, I've seen the things like that. Yes. You keep using that art, that word art, but yes, I know what you're talking about. 
and that doesn't uh, that doesn't do it for you. You're not a fan of like no. squiggly lines. No, on the actually, canvas? see, I, I had the idea of doing stuff like that years ago. No, I have zero artistic ability. <laughs> None. <laughs> um, so I am actually incredibly impressed and blown away when somebody can draw and actually create something that looks um, like. Well, we can recognize it. That's first. Um, and that we know that that's really a person. Um, but I, I said that I was going to actually do squiggly lines and, and like spit and barf and, and blow my nose on canvas and sell it for millions of dollars and watch people literally um, fall all over themselves for my bodily fluids <laughs> just because I thought that'd be hilarious. Um, but it seems like a lot of these people beat me to it. I mean, like this is a this is a piece of art created by Cy Twombly. Um, I have that same picture in my living room. Uh, <laughs> my my daughter's four, and she's she did the same thing. I swear, I gotta go get it. It's it's, it's amazing. This is a this is another piece that he made. Here, um, here's a here's another one, and I don't understand. I don't I don't understand this. I, I don't understand that kind of. Um, it's just it's just a bunch of squiggles. I mean, Paul, you and I have talked about this before. You know, there was a I think there was a couple was it a year ago or so there was an artist who sold a an a, an art project that it was a banana pinned to a wall and it sold for like $500,000 or something like that. Well, it's, um, the problem is they all look at like um the guy who created cubism, I can't oh, Picasso. Picasso did cubism and then it's like that was the new great thing so everybody thinks that anyone can do it they don't realize that Picasso could paint very well very realistic he couldn't sell it that's why he invented stuff like this because it's a way it was basically a gimmick for to get the art snobs to pay stupid amounts of money for stuff so that's what he did and all this stuff is gimmicky it's not like no one actually thinks that's art it's a bunch of people the first of all the people who could like say that's art aren't artists nobody who can actually draw like michelangelo looks like that and goes that's awesome that's right. the this, problem this right here looks like looks like a two-year-old made it i'm telling you i have that picture i'm gonna go get it and i'm gonna hold it up because um, my daughter did that this was this was a, a painting of Cy Twombly's. it was um i believe that this one one of these was done with ketchup um He's he's done qu quite a number of these types of of paintings, and I know one of them was done with ketchup. I don't know which one it was, um, but they you know this is scribbling his way from past to present. Uh, you know, it's just it's just squiggles, and yet these are things that these are pieces of art that um, you know have sold for millions of dollars, uh, and and I I don't I don't really understand it. Um, because when I, when, I, when I compare that to something, you know, I, I, looking at artwork that's actually in the Vatican, looking at artwork, I mean, in, in D.C., uh, a couple of years ago, I was in D.C. and went to the uh, Museum of, of Fine Arts there at the Smithsonian. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, I walked around that place. I could, I could, I could have spent two days exploring that museum and, and looking at the different, at the, the various pieces, you know, the Rembrandts are, that are there hanging in the wall. Um, and that kind of, to me, that is, that is art when, when they're, you know, you can sit there and stare at a painting. I, I look at this and I'm, I'm not moved by this. Like 
I, I'm not, I don't feel anything when I look at a bunch of squiggles on, on a canvas and I don't understand why people fall all over themselves to praise somebody like Cy Twombly. Well, the problem I have with this is I had that, that, that same, the artist type feeling that if I can produce that on Photoshop in under like three minutes, it's not art because it, it's just, it, it's not, it's not a thing. It's like, if, if you look at like, like some of those, like you're talking about, like the raping of Persephone, the, 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 the sculptor yeah. is fantastic. I mean, it looks like, it looks like it's actual human being that's being, or her thighs being held by his hands and indented into her thighs. And it's marble. That's ret- retardedly good. No one looks at that and goes, that's art. But that scribbles that you just put up there is art. That's just not a thing. But you have an entire group of like art snobs who think that is, and they all agree with one another. And you can't step outside that because everything is, they have their own little, little click i mean i went to what what's the guy that did all the the campbell soup paintings oh um gosh now i'm blanking on his name i know who you're talking about yeah um american painter yeah uh whatever his name is they had a huge art exhibit down in downtown phoenix i went there his entire showcase of artwork you could reproduce in a weekend very very <laughs> easily it was not anything spectacular it's like this is just all just I mean, if you saw this stuff at like a garage sale, you'd be like, wow, that's garbage. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. But like with the picture up right now, that's marble. That's, that's somebody hit, used a not power tool, chisel and sandpaper to make that. Yeah, this is, this is Michelangelo's Pietra in the Vatican. It's when you first walk in the Vatican doors, it's just to the right. Um, this is Mary holding the body of Jesus after he was taken off the cross. And um, what makes it so much more interesting, he did not carved that from the head down he carved right. from left to right which is just mind-boggling right that you could do that and to see the veins still in the you know in the hands um etc and and what he did with marble no, no look at her um, chest that the folds in those cloth folds right in, in, in a garment yeah it, yeah incredible. that's ri- ridiculous and, and to make it worse to make this worse if you could Michelangelo did this at 24. He was 24 when he completed the Pietra, um, which is absolutely amazing to me. Um, but th- to me, that you know, when you when you look at this, and if you study anything by Michelangelo, one of the things that 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 he believed. I mean, he was a very devout Catholic at the time, and and he he believed that by exploring art and doing these kinds of things, that he was in essence exploring what the divine was so there was that there was that large unknown that existed outside of the physical realm and and he was exploring on what it means to try to become closer to the divine through the art of creation and and what he created was absolutely stunning and and now we have i feel like we have artists who they don't even understand what that even can begin to mean to explore the unknown so what they what they do instead is they, they do things like scribbling or they do things that are political pieces of artwork. Um, and I think for them, they don't even, they couldn't even comprehend what the unknown is to try to even begin to explore it. And I think if you're going to spend all of your time just simply making a political statement, what a waste of any talent you may or may not, you may have, or what a waste of the time that you could be using to develop a really great 
talent. I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a woman who, who stripped off all of her clothes. She was in front of some museum and she stripped off all of her clothes and she puts these, um, these ladders or something up and then she she put another ladder across the top of them so there was like this walkway and then she she stood over you know up on top of the top ladder and she spread her legs and she put eggs inside of herself right and then she allowed the eggs to drop onto this canvas and fall like three or four feet and then splatter on the concrete beneath her and she was in front of an art museum in like France or London or one of those kind of things. And, and her whole demonstration, the whole, the whole act of doing this was supposed to be this art demonstration. And she was supposed to be making some profound statement against the patriarchy or feminism or something, I don't know. Um, and I'm thinking, how does that explore the unknown? You're so rooted in the modern world, in politics, in things that at the end of the day, they don't really matter. I mean, we look at the Pietra years later, hundreds of years later, and it holds more value today than it did even when it was created because of the time that has expanded, you know, that has gone past all of this. This woman who's cracking eggs from between her legs, who cares? That would- well, I think a, a big thing with art also is if you have to explain it, it's not art. Right, right. Yeah, well, no art- one looks at that statue that's up on the right there and goes, I don't know if that's art or not. No, no, you know that's art. It's like well, that old saying, you, know, you don't know what porn is, but you know it when you see it. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I think any artist should be able to say, well, okay, I don't understand your piece. Explain it to me. Um, and what I've seen or, or at least heard, especially with all the, the abstract expressionism and things like that, no, it's, uh, it's, it's abstract. It, it means something different and it speaks to the actual viewer. That's what makes it unique. And I just go, so even you don't know what it's supposed to be. Okay. And I just move on. I, I completely agree on that. It, it's, it's, they do that thing where they're, they're trying to make a discussion out of their, their artwork. And that's it, not what artwork is, is for discussion. Or if they I, even use the term art um, as trying to mitigate any kind of ridicule for their actions anyway. I mean, you talk about a lady who's who's literally pressing eggs out of her vagina onto a canvas and saying, I can do this and you can't tell me I can't because it's art. And I think that's a bunch of crap. Well, I think also it has to do with the, the personalities of the people doing it. A lot of these people are just kooky people and they believe the fact that artists have to be kooky. Well, the problem is, is not all kooky people are artists and not all artists are kooky, but they're thinking they're trying to find their niche by saying, well, since I'm kooky, I can be an artist, but they don't, they don't actually have to sit down and actually learn a, which art is a skill. You learn, it's a trade. There's no talent involved. You sit down and you, you, you figure out like that, that sculptor we're looking at right now, that dude does not have talent. That was probably the umpteen try of making something in that one that he got to that point of doing that, which is fantastic. Yeah. This is, but a, they don't want to do that. This is Bernini's the rape of Proserpina. Um, what I find fascinating about this and you, I think you alluded to this before Paul is you, you look at his hand that's indented into her thigh and you can see the indentation in into her thigh. She so looks soft. It looks soft. You're looking at, at marble. This is marble and the marble looks soft. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, and even and better than that is look at that foot. I was going to say the foot right. is what's blowing me away right Those now. Those toes, that is, that's fantastic. Well, even the lines in the arch of the foot. Yeah. Just, it, it, yeah. It looks like it's right like you here. could touch it and just push in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it's incredible. You know, when you, when you go, when you're in Florence and you're, and you're, you go to the museum where, um, where Michelangelo's David is, is, is situated, is located, there's a long hallway that you walk down and, and the David is at the far end of that hallway. And along either side of you, as you walk down this hallway, are all of the earlier sculptures that Michelangelo had, was basically practicing on. And you can see his technique improving over time um, leading up to uh, leading up to the David so almost like there were uh, for lack of a better term they were like sketches done in marble and they're not even completed in some cases they're like half done or quarter done partially done Uh, I have some really good pictures of them but it shows you that this was somebody who was dedicated to the craft and always pushing himself and always exploring and when you to your point Paul when you're just going to just throw some paint up on a on a on a mat and just call it a day and say it's art what are you really how are you really pushing yourself and trying to improve and working at your craft and trying to explore what's humanly possible i mean it's because just i not. think you're i think you're looking too deep into this though the okay. people who are okay. the, the people that are doing these type of weird abstract arts they just want to be part of the community they want to be called an artist they just don't want the hard work that comes with being an artist so they just go, okay, well, I can't sit down and draw a face or I can't draw hands. So instead, I'm going to do this abstract thing because I know I can do this and I'll get the loud and be called an artist and I'm part of the community. But I didn't, there's no hard work invested in it. I can do this on a Saturday and just do some crap and, I, and sometimes get paid really well to do it. But in the grand scheme of things, like that, I don't remember that, that artist, his name is Cy, I think his name was. Yeah, Cy Twombly. Cy, no one's going to even know that guy in 20 years. He's just going to be just an artist where Michelangelo, as long as there's human record, we're going to know about him. Yeah. You, I mean, even if you destroyed all his works, like, like Rome got bombed tomorrow, there's enough of his stuff like in pictures and stuff. He's still going to be known. It's just, that's what it is. And these people, they, they want a piece of that. Like that, that, cause it's, it's cool to call yourself an artist. I'm an artist, but it, if you don't have anything to back it up, then you're not an art. I mean, an artist to me doesn't even have to be like an art, like like the carver or the artwork of like, you know, what do you want to call it? Like a, like a painter or whatever. A guy mm-hmm. that makes it like refurbishes a car back to like what a Camaro should be back in like 19... That's an artist. If you're actually like molding metal and stuff like that, there's different types of art, but it still has something that your average person, if you just take Joe Schmo out of the, 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 the five and diner and go, is that art? If he has to go, uh, it's not art. It, you instantly know what art is you, just by the sight of it. So there's a, there's a couple of ideas that I pulled together about the purpose of art. And I want to get your guys' take on this. And I wanted to kind of go through this maybe, maybe one by one. I don't know if we'll be able to get through all of them. We might lose a little interest in, in this purpose. But um, one, of the, one of the purposes, and again, this isn't according to me. This is according to artists uh, <laughs> out there on the internet. But uh, one of the purposes of art is, the, it says here, the purpose of art is not to produce product. The purpose of art is to produce thinking. Now, I kind of, I, I kind of. Think you know what that, that produces? What is that? Poor artist. More artists? No, a poor artist. <laughs> oh, a poor artist. Yeah. If you, if well, you yeah, because if you're not. Product, pro- 
yeah, and no one cares about money. your product. It's it's not you're you're a hobbyist. You're not a professional artist. If you want to be a hobbyist, have all the fun in the world just creating your crap. But if you actually want to sell something, which means someone actually values it enough to give you cash for it, that's different. There's a, it's it's not even selling out. If it's it's like I've always said, if you write a book but never produce it, never let anybody read it, did you who really cares? write a book? Yeah, who yeah, cares? Who cares? And if you write, if you make a great, like, if you do all this artwork in the world and no one sees it, you didn't do anything. Yeah. When you die, it turns to dust and you're just gone. And, and I, I think there's something, I think, I think this particular purpose, there's a little truth to this because I, I do, when I do look at whether it's Bernini's work or Michelangelo or Da Vinci or anything like that, Rembrandt, it does make me think about things. Like I do feel, I do end up feeling something from it. So I think, I think there is that desire, that mode from an, from an art, from an artist's perspective to try to um, encourage something to go on in the, in the mind of the viewer. But at the same time, they also do want to produce a final object. They do want to produce a product. Otherwise, like you said, you're not actually an artist if you're not producing anything. Yeah. And, and, and from me being trying to be the comic artist, I want to produce like feelings in people for the characters I draw. So that's, that's, that's how I produce it. But the, the product is still has to be something that someone's interested in. If I just do a bunch of stick figures, I can, there's no, I mean, you can discuss it, but it's not interesting anymore. So right. same thing is what we look at those like sculptors, they yeah. might produce like in you, they might go like, cause you're a religious person. You might look at and see the religious aspect. I see it. And I see that hand making the, her thigh feel marshmallowy and go that that's skill beyond skill doing that. Yeah. That's what fascinates me is that he was able to do that. And to the extreme, I mean, if, <clears throat> if we look at, per, at the purpose of art and think that, well, the purpose of art is to produce thinking, not to produce a product. Well, then that means that as long as I think about me being a painter and as long as I think about me painting, well, then by that definition, couldn't I say that I'm really a painter? I'm an artist, I, but I'm not producing anything. I just spend a lot of time thinking about it. I mean, is well, that- it, It's also that whole thing of, if everyone's an artist, then no one's an artist. Right, true. Because if, if, if everything out there can be art, then you've diluted the meaning of art to such a point that it's meaningless. Yeah. Jason, you look like you had something you want to say. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you guys actually go through this, and, and, and I, I agree with each one of your points individually, at least in part. Um, I, I think you can be an artist and never sell a painting in your life or never even show it to anybody. Um, I think, um, I mean, even if Michelangelo sculpted those sculptures and, and they kept, he kept them, you know, in his home or in his property or, and nobody ever saw them. I don't think that makes him less of an artist. I understand what you're getting at, Paul, um, in, in regard to creating a tangible product that, cre that has intrinsic value to someone else. Um, and, and that lends to that being useful. And, and I, I can agree with that. Um, I think if you're, if you're an artist, whether you're a painter, a writer, a poet, um, a sculptor, um, even a musician, you can, you can exercise your art for your own enjoyment. That doesn't diminish the, the um, I think, the value of that to yourself. Now, when you have reached a level where you are now able to inspire, whether it's critical thinking, Lucy, to your point, or to inspire someone to see the intrinsic value in the product, um, Paul, to your point, where they say, I want more of that. I have to have that. 
that's where you go from, I guess, the art as a hobby to art as a profession, in my eyes. Hitting on that point, though, would you call someone who works on their car in their front yard a mechanic or a guy who actually works at a shop a mechanic? Well, I, I know a couple guys who work on cars in a shop that I don't call a mechanic. Well, no, but what I'm saying is like, <laughs> no, that's what I'm, but by definition, it's like the, the person who is like, let's say you, you paint your house, like you, you go to Home Depot, you buy something, you paint your garage or whatever. Right. Are you a painter? No, no, no. And I understand so your that's point. That's what I'm saying is like, yes. it, there's a, that's the difference is that there's a hobbyist and then there's an artist. Like sure. people always bag on like, uh, what's his name? Um, like Bob Ross style. Like Bob Ross. Or, I love Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah, but like in the artist community, they, they don't like him. And the eh, same well, thing with uh, what's his, uh, he's famous for drawing like home, like, like down to earth Midwest type scenes. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He's super famous. I find... Oh God. Anyway, they had, they had they had shops of in malls with him. With Bob Ross? No, 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 no. The guy, the other guy. There's another guy that you're, you're. Talking yeah, about. he he's drawn like you know, it's that famous like Thanksgiving picture he did. Mm, yeah, all the family I, sitting around the Thanksgiving. I can't think of his name. What the hell right is now. his name? Rollins? RK? RK? You can see how cultured we truly are. Yeah. But anyway, in the artist world, he's considered kind of like like low end. He's not considered like a right. real artist. To the well, human being, he captures like the art of the essence of people. Fantastic. But it doesn't have and it, 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 it hits all those points of like it makes you think and everything. But the snobbery doesn't like him because to them it's not deep thinking. It's just he's reproducing what basically a photograph does. And the problem is those people who are the art snobs aren't artists, so they don't understand how much work he put in there to make it look so effortlessly. So they just go, oh, it's just, it's just like reproducing a photograph. Eh, not really. That, that, I think, is intrinsic is his problem with the art community and what they consider art. So part of my problem with artists, too, at least I should say, it's not with artists. It's with, certain, it's with the people who think of themselves as being artists, I guess. Because a lot of times they, they don't, they, they don't speak in concrete terms. I'll give you another example. Another purpose of art here, as to situate, as stipulated by, by artists, is art is a sneak peek into the future of potential. What the hell does that mean? That doesn't tell me anything. And I, and I look at a lot of artists that when you, when you go to a museum and you see like a Rembrandt, you're like, wow, they're exploring, to me, they're exploring the unknown. They're producing something that's tangible. And they're trying to take something that is a very difficult concept that's floating around in their mind or an experience of theirs. And they're trying to create something that is solid, that is tangible, that is physically, you know, physically present in the world. When I read something like art is a sneak peek into the future of potential, that means absolutely nothing to no, me. No, I disagree. I, I have a okay. See, and, and photography. This would be a great. I could I could work in the medium of photography. I'm going to go into my bathroom and I'm going to look at the toilet and I'm going to take a picture. And then I'm going to send it to you. And you tell me that that, that is not a sneak peek into the realm of potential. <laughs> wow. Okay. I was not expecting that. Neither was I. Okay. <laughs> there is so many possibilities of what's going to happen in that place, but there's a sneak peek. 
just re- just remember <laughs> that I do not want to see the the fruition of that future. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a selfie. No, surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, here's here's one. Um, art is a human act. Risky, generous, courageous, provocative. Art is uh, none of that. I, I, I unless th- th- this is meaningless. Wait, wait. It's meaningless. Well, now here's the thing. Unless Stalin's knocking on your door for being like you know, rot, put making propaganda against him, art's not dangerous. Not in any way, shape, or form is it truly dangerous. It's, you're just you're putting pencil on paper or whatever. You're you're not you're not doing anything. Like, they're trying to say it's courageous. It's because they want to feel important. You're you're not marching for freedom of you know, Zimbabwe or something like that. It's, it's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, the problem is it's there's too many artists out there who are trying to make themselves so much more grandiose than they truly are. They 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 want themselves to feel super important. Because they're they're not important, and they know that deep down. Um, you know, I'm just I'm looking at um, just because it's happening, right? I'm looking at BLM art, Black Lives Matter art. Oh, and Bureau of Land Management was all that. Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just, you, you know, I I don't. I, I don't very I mean, low hanging fruit. It's very to me. It's very low hanging fruit. And the, the sad thing is, it, the sad thing is, I look at some of this and I think, wow, there, there's, you know, there's a potential in some of these. I'm not saying all of them, but in some of them, there's a there's a potential for some really great artwork, if if the people were to stop looking at stop looking at the physical world in terms of politics and did something that's much more meaningful. I think there, some of these artists would be, would be very uh, um, respected as artists, but uh, instead they choose to not do that. And that's kind of sad to me, or at least I assume they do. I mean, well, maybe they're I kind of almost bet that maybe that's uh, kind of what Paul was saying. Um, like same thing that happened with Picasso. Maybe their art up to this point hasn't been gaining them rent money. And so now they're going, well, I'm going to focus on this. It should garner some attention. Maybe I'll sell something. Yeah, and that's fair. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's and, and the main thing people also don't realize is like in the Renaissance era, the entire reason for all these different cubism and abstraction and everything is the film camera. There's no reason to have portraits made anymore. You, you don't pay someone to make a portrait of you. You take a picture of someone. So the film camera killed artwork. That's why you came up with all these different types of expressions because they're still trying to, an artist is still trying to make a living, but no one's going to pay mm-hmm. $900 to, make, to draw a portrait of them when they can just take a selfie. Click, done. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of economic pushes art. They don't want to think that way, but economics is a big part of art. I think, I think that's true. I think economics is a huge, big, is a huge part of art. I mean, you look, at, um, uh, you, you look at even, you know, art museums, for example. It's a, um, the country of Italy brings in millions of people, you know, a month or whatever it is, um, just to look at artwork. Um, it's a huge impact to to various countries um, economic gains in terms, you know, now that comes after the fact, obviously, right? You know, you've got a lot of artwork in the Vatican and such, um, but all those artists were paid by the Vatican at the time when, when that artwork was created, they were on, they were on hire, basically on retainer to make that artwork, but it continues to be part of the economic framework of Italy. And you have places like the Louvre, which continue to be part of the economic framework of France. 
there is an economics in, in artwork. And I think a lot of, I think there are many artists or people who want to see themselves as artists who want to willfully ignore the economics of it. And I think that's, that's unfortunate. Oh, I completely agree. And people think it's dirty to actually make money with your work, even though they all want to. But as soon as you become super popular, then you become a sellout. And there's well, and this weird thing that happens with that. Yeah. They, they almost have to take the, the money that's owed to them for those pieces, not the money that they, you know, it's not that they sold art for $100,000. It's what someone felt they were owed for providing the world with that piece. I've actually heard that. Oh, like their ego is so big, they think that that's what it was? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know what's in, what, what's interesting is from from a from a psychological standpoint, if you look at the characteristics of artists, they're the same characteristics of entrepreneurs. Um, so our society, economically, you know, we need we need people who think like artists who are that way. They're the creative types. They're the ones who are always, you know, just because you're, you know, whether or not you're a great painter, you're also you're also kind of um, positioned psychologically and mentally to be thinking about how do I, how can I make money? How can I improve on a product? How can I make things that are, that are going to be better for, for society? And I, sadly, I think there are too many artists who, who shun that side of them because, you know, capitalism is considered to be evil in in many parts of the world and many parts of our own country. Um, And so I think there are a lot of artists who, who almost embrace the concept of the starving artist for fear that if they, if they try to find new ways to further society through the selling of artwork or creating beautiful things that people can come and enjoy, that somehow they're going to be a sellout. So they have to be edgy and. Well, there's also there's a built-in "I'm already failure." Yeah, if you're already failing okay. and you 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 accept it that you are a failed, starving artist, there's nowhere but up to go. So you can just say, well, obviously I'm just a, you know, you just don't care. That's materialism. I don't care about that. I'm just, I'm going to stick down here and, and wallow in the art poor people. Cause that way I, I never fail because I never try. And it's a horrible, I mean, unless you put your stuff out there, you, everyone fails, but if you never put it out there and you just, you're that, that starving artist, well, then you can never fail and your ego's never hurt. And what's weird is like when he was, when Jason was saying about the guy who like his art was owed to the people. If you ever talk to a, a, like an actual artist, like a good, who can actually really art, they hate everything they do. Like <laughs> straight up. Like everything I draw, I freaking hate for a long time. It's like I could have done so much better. That's just, that's inherently to being like, when you actually have the skills that you're trying to like do, the better you get, the more you hate your stuff. Where the people who are like, you know, drawing circles and scribbling on paper, they think it's fantastic. Well, yeah, because you didn't try. There's, there's no <laughs> emotional investment in, your, in your, your drawing. Where like, you know, the people who are really trying, they don't like what they're doing because they always say, oh, I could just be so much more better if I could just do this. Or I could just figure out how to draw hands or, or how to sculpture feet. My stuff would be so much better. And then mm-hmm. the first, you know, every sc- foot you sculpture, you're like, ah, that, that toe's wrong. And you can see every flaw in it. Where those people like the guy, the Thai guy, he just looks at his paintings and goes, these are fantastic. These are perfect. I just made money. Now I'm happy camper. That's just, that's, that thinking does not enter most artists' brains if you're actually trying. I really got to believe people like that, like Cy and some of those, they, they don't even like their stuff. I think that they're at home laughing their 
proverbial butts off um, that their stuff is selling and selling for as much as it is. I, I just cannot truly rationally believe that somebody is absolutely that um, in love with themselves that they truly believe um, <laughs> that that is actual art and that they've expressed and created something and that it's worth what it's getting. See, I, I take people for face value. If they actually say that they believe that stuff, it, it's... Why not believe it, them? They, yeah, I believe them. Why, why not believe them if they're going to Because say I've it? been around too many people that no matter what you tell them, no matter how you say logical argument, they just stare at your face and call you no. And, and, and it's the same thing as like if you believe something, like you, you hardly believe it, and someone telling you that you obviously are not, you're, you can't be that dumb to believe that. That is the biggest insult in the world. You just have to take people for what they believe is what they say. So when they say that, that their artwork, like that banana there is art, they truly believe that's art. Did they say 120? Ooh. Yeah, this is. I was wrong. I was too. I was too high on my on my initial assessment. It wasn't five hundred grand. It was a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for banana duct taped to wall. That was actually eaten by a separate performance artist who came up after the fact. That's the Jason style poking the bear guy. Oh, this is your art. Hold on a minute. I'm hungry. Well, wow. the, the artist, the artist who created this, if you can even say it was actually created, he does a lot of other art, art, art work that is just object duct taped to wall, like baseball duct taped to wall and toilet paper, etc. bottle, you know, and, and people, I don't understand. I don't see, I don't understand why people spend this kind of money. What, what is it about, uh, about whether it's a critic or some kind of alleged connoisseur of art who pays $120,000 for a banana duct taped to a wall. Because they can. It's because Fair they enough. can. Okay. Because well, here's the thing is, how, how many, like when you were, you remember that old show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous or whatever? Yeah. When they would yeah. have like gold toilets in their master bedroom. Who sees that? Only you. No one else sees it. So why'd you do it? Because you can't. It's an ego thing. It's I spent $120 on this stupid banana because I could. I had the hundred twenty dollars to do it. Hundred twenty thousand dollars to do it. Hundred twenty thousand. Yeah. Well, and and I think of the the art critics too. And and uh, Paul, you were talking before about this whole. It, it's really a society um, that almost props each other up and props props everything that they have to do up to make it seem more important. And the funny part is the artists, like we were talking about, that hating everything and and nothing, um, and trying to see that. Uh, you know, it's not about value and to sell anything would be bad. And yet it almost to try and prop yourselves up, you have to kind of keep elevating the dollars and the zeros tied to all this stuff. I mean, it's a freaking banana duct tape to a wall. And I got to believe, you know, art critic a who goes in to look at it says, this is really, uh, it's absolutely inspirational and it speaks to the soul of, of, uh, of each of us as an island unto ourselves in a world of possibility, right? And and art critic B goes, I agree with that, but, and then they have to interject two things and then add another $20,000 to what art critic A said it would be worth. And so you get this snowball effect because nobody wants to be the one to come in and go, it's a fucking banana duct taped to a wall, <laughs> you dumbasses. That's worth 49 cents and are, you know, and, and a waste of my time. Nobody wants to be that guy. So everybody's one upping each other. And next thing you know, everybody's smelling their own, each other's farts and judging on, on what they had for dinner three nights ago. I mean, it's so freaking ridiculous. 
those people and that stuff is why I overall have a problem with artists and it's I love art and I have a great respect for people who can create something I can't draw I I can't do right. that I can't I can't do I can't do what 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 Paul does I, I no. can't no not even close nor would I ever try and and um, even and and Paul, you've told me you're like, well, you know, drawing is a skill. You can learn you can learn that skill, and, and skill. I believe that. And I believe that. Uh, I'm just at a point in my life where I don't I don't want to try to learn that skill because I know it would take me an exorbitant amount of time. You know, I would have to put in those thousands and thousands of hours that you did to get to the point where you are, and I, I don't want to do that at my at my age. So I'll, no, it's, it's I will allow other people to do that. Oh it's yeah, priorities. Yeah. It's, it's so it's like like instead of like. When I was a kid, instead of going playing baseball, I drew. Instead of going playing soccer, I drew. Instead of hanging out with friends, I drew. I didn't right. play any sports in school because right. I drew. I mean, that was and I drew in class. I mean, just you know, I was there's little doodles all over my papers when I got them back from like the teachers from a very young age. It's just that it's just what I did. So it was like these people who were just like because I mean I laughed because when I went to art school, I was 34 when I went back to college to get my degree, or no 31. I had kids in there who were 18 that went to our Arizona or the RSU of Phoenix who don't, didn't draw at all. And they just decided at age 18 that they were going to become artists and be like concept artists. I'm like, you're behind the eight ball on this one. There's people yeah. who like, like me who's been drawing since I was, I can't remember when I stopped, started drawing. So I had been like four or five. You're competing against someone who has 15 years of experience on you and the formative years of like child, which is the easiest time to learn. You are screwed. You're not catching up. Right. So it's just like, so I mean, if, if you wanted to learn to draw, you could, it would take you six, seven years. And if you don't have the time to put in, it's, I mean, it's, it's fun, but I mean, you're, you're not going to get any, like, you're not going to be Rembrandt if you don't put the, the time in. True. So what about, you know, we, we typically, when we talk about art, I think it's, it's very easy to look at a, a drawing or a painting or a sculpture and declare that as art. But what are what are your guys' thoughts on things like like um, film, movies? Can movies be art? Are, are there examples of movies that are? Well, art? a movie's just a moving painting. Okay. And then I mean, the, I used to argue about this also when I was because when when I was in college talking with the, the one of the fine art people, and he didn't think video games was art. And I'm like, all it is is a movie you control. So if you have a painting, and then now the painting moves, now you can control the painting. Same. It's just an evolution. So video games are art. Just the same thing as a, a single picture and or, or moving pictures. Now, I don't think movies that are made to only be that weird abstract, like you see inside theaters where like, you know, at the, like the music, the museum where they're just like random pictures of like weird, like s- strange pictures just put together in like a collage. Mm-hmm. That, that has no, there's no storytelling in there. If you don't have a story in a movie, what's the point? Yeah, then, then you just have like, I don't know. And I even, I mean, I don't even say it's a documentary. I don't even know what you'd call it if you just have random stuff in your pictures. Mm-hmm. And, and we've become very sophisticated in our movie or watching that. We think what, we know what a movie, how it works and what makes a movie work. So when we don't see that, we go, well, that was a bad movie because we know what works after, what, 90 years. So we just, that's what it is. Jason, what are your thoughts? Are, 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 are film, can films be art? I mean, obviously something like, you know, Idiocracy, which is a fantastic documentary, by the way, is that we're learning um, 
now with with politics um but can can other films be be art um you know i'm sure i i think they can um i and for whatever and sorry i'm going to use a cliche film for a minute but um I, I don't know did you guys ever see well i know you saw the movie bambi but <laughs> Did you ever see how they constructed the moving backgrounds for that movie? Oh, with the plates of glass? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you it was had... actually that started in Pinocchio. Correct. Correct. Um, I, I remember seeing, sorry, you're absolutely right. It was Pinocchio. But they did that in, in a couple different films. So by you're actually stacking glass, um, I think there was like four to five different levels of glass stacked behind each other. Um, and actually painted on and then moving those across created that image of the horizon moving. That was incredible. Uh, and I was, it, that's something that struck me um, very early on. And I thought that was, that was amazing. I think the hard part for me now is I've become so disenfranchised with the entire Hollywood film industry that it's hard for me to respect anything that comes out of there. And I still hold some sort of respect in my heart for art. So for me to equate movies to art almost pisses on anything I have left for art. See, I'm in a weird way because it's like, I, I see movies for what they are. So like if you go see a Michael Bay movie, you know exactly what you're getting into by watching a Michael Bay. So if it's a, if it's a good Michael Bay movie, by the standards of Michael Bay, it's a fantastic movie. So if you're trying to make a movie that's just like, a, like if you like Transformers, the Transformers movies are fantastic. If you don't want to watch right. a Transformer movie, don't go see a Transformers movie. So it's like, as long as they achieve what their goal is of the movie they're producing, I have no problem with it. My problem is when they take a movie that has some, like you have a certain genre of movie and then they shove in something else in there that doesn't belong in that genre of like, like some moral issue or something. And they're trying to basically ramrod something down your throat. That's the, the issues I have with Hollywood right now. You mean like the uh, feminist march in the last Avengers movie? Is it is that what you're referring to? Something like that? Uh oh, pretty close. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> because bungle yeah. up. Yeah, I know, right? Hey, let me <laughs> let me jump out my soapbox here. Uh huh. Go for it. The the Avenger movie is it started out so strong. Oh. And then it just the end game was so so bad. And I'm just like, and I'm, I'm happy that they, they vetoed that Captain Marvel was supposed to capture or supposed to win everything. She was supposed to come in and save the day. And the Russo brothers said, no, we're not doing that. It's not her story. So I give them credit for doing that because you, you don't need Superwoman to come down and just beat the crap out of everybody when she's not been part for the last 20 movies because it's not her story. But now that the, the main characters are gone and now it is her story and you look at the ne the next sequel like stage five or whatever movies coming out of a bunch of heroes that by the way i'm a comic book fan and i don't know these people if you know i read comics all through the 80s and 90s and i don't know these characters you're talking about that are going to be movies no one else does we don't care so that i mean that's that's marvel's huge problem and i and then going back to like michael bay he has ruined my childhood on teenage Mutant Ninja turtles because that's not teenage Mutant Ninja turtles Transformers is not Transformers. The original, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are actually a lot of fun. I like I, of what I, I remember of them. The first was. two, yeah. Well, they had yeah. three. The, the the animatronics have three. Was were there three? I remember there yeah, was one had, where they, they go to Japan. And, and that's the third one. Secret of the one. Oh, was that the third one? Yeah. 
the secret of the use is the second one. That's what that Vanilla true. Ice. Secret of the Yes. No, no, that's Vanilla Ice where he's like, you know, go mutant, go mutant. That one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, Jason's those. I know <laughs> it. I, I, so little, I actually had the cassette tape soundtrack for both oh of those. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oof. My word. Yeah, and Holy even in hell. And even the Teenage Mutant Turtles, those movies are not very faithful to the comic. The comic is no. a brutal ninja. I mean, they, they murder people in there. Right, right. There's a reason why they're carrying swords in the comic book. <laughs> right. But yeah, so it's like, but even like, so, so watching him like, okay, first example, Alita. Alita Battle Angel was a fantastic adaption. It didn't follow Alita Battle Angel, the comics, very well. It's like the first, it's kind of a mashup of the first three books. But you know by watching it that the people were fans of it and did the best they could to make it not because it wouldn't be a good comics as it's just a pure movie. So they had to make it into a movie. But you could see the love they had for it when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, they actually like this product. Where you watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Michael Bay gives zero fucks about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was, he was going to make them space aliens until people complained about it. I remember that. And you remember they had, yeah. didn't they have lips or something? Didn't he give the turtles lips? At yeah, one no, they still have lips. Oh, they have lips. Yeah, they have lips. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they made them like seven makes, feet tall. Which and is, it makes them creepy with the yeah. lips. And Raphael is literally like seven feet tall. It's like they're, they're supposed to be like five, two. They're turtles. Right. They're, they're turtles. They're, 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 they're teenagers. They were, even. Yeah, they were, yeah. And they were teenagers. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, it's in the title. <laughs> it's literally in the name. <laughs> How did we miss that detail? I don't know. Yeah. And the same thing was like when he remade uh, the first Transformers movie wasn't bad. But by the second one where they're making Megatron's basically a second command to a, a higher trend. No, no. Megatron's not the second command to anyone. That's not a thing. Right. He is the commander of the Decepticons. And it's just like, oh, okay. You well, know what you I hated about the it. What I hated about the Transformers films were the Transformers themselves looked weird in robot form because they were all kind of spiky and just not like they didn't they didn't look like a coherent mass at first and so when they were then during the action sequences there were time in certain shots it was it was i felt it was difficult to follow the action because because it was hard to 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 make out where 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 was one robot where did one robot end and the other robot begin if especially if they were wrestling or brawling around well and everything was chrome Everything was yeah, so yeah. It was all silver and shiny, and and it was just it was almost um, it's it like sticking needles in your eyes. And the I the old Transformers, especially the animated ones, you know the 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 bodies that weren't part of your actual vehicle, they were like white blocks. That's it. But you could actually distinctly make out, and it was kind of blocky because they were cars. You know. What I mean? <laughs> so anyway, but I mean. The, the biggest problem I have with Michael Bay is with, with his Transformers is their combat style is rolling on the ground. If you watch them, they right, just roll right. all over the they place. They just roll like, all over oh, the place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But when they used to have like now, guns and they would shoot because he didn't yeah. want to put, the only thing I can think of is because he didn't want to put guns in the movies. Um, well, no, because if you look at, there's a lot of guns. There's a lot I mean, of the guns. The military dude. shoots the shit out of shit. But the, the well, problem yeah, is just true, like, because I guess they did some test footage of actually making Optimus Prime look like the original Optimus Prime, like mm-hmm. where you look like a, just a transformed truck. Yeah. And they said it looks so bad on film. That's why they did this, that new way of making them all the gears and everything. They just said it looks so horrible. Which, okay, mm-hmm. I understand what you're looking okay. yeah. for. That's why they didn't put Wolverine in yellow tights in the, uh, the, the original X-Men movies. They did some, some test screens with him in the yellow tights and it didn't look right. Yeah, which is... I completely agree on that. Yeah. But... 
I mean, it, it just doesn't. Comics are made bigger than life, so when you try to make them into like you know a movie, you got to tone it down a little bit. Sure, sure. You have to change it for the medium. I get it. Yeah, but then again, Deadpool didn't. Right, right. Deadpool just embraced itself. Yeah, it's just like we're, we're a comic book movie. We're we're, we're hugging yeah. this stuff. <laughs> like, well, and, <laughs> and, and it worked. They, they tried them. really integrating the comic book, even visual layout, with the very first, um, uh, the first Hulk movie. You remember that? Oh, the were they the actually Yang had, movie or not Yang? Um, I can't remember where the director was. He did a face off. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ang Lee or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like Ang Lee. Yeah, yeah. So they actually tried bringing in like blocks um, of picture and actually doing out the writing even in the exact same style and things like that, which I actually, I kind of liked. Um, but then again, I was a Hulk fan. So, I, you know, Hulk smash. But anyway, I did like some of those things and how they brought the comic book actually almost a little bit more integrated on screen. But every, everybody overwhelmingly hated it for the most mm-hmm. part that they just completely said, well, you can't take a comic book and and blend those two um styles and those two mediums together and have that work cohesively plus there's yeah, a but, t- storytelling that just kind of went poo-poo in that movie too but well yeah the, the problem with that movie is the third act which doesn't need to actually be in the movie where right, he meets his dad terrible. yeah that's just terrible it that should end where he movie. just like in san francisco is where it should end it yeah it, it you're you're 100 correct so yeah. and the problem is since it didn't work out like that then everybody just said well it's because the comic book didn't work it's like no no the comic book part of it did work. It's that last part that didn't. That's why people didn't like it. So it's, I mean, it's the same thing as like they always say like, you know, anime movies can't be made or cartoons and comics can't be made because they always point to like Ghost in the Shell, which is a horrible movie and all like Dragon Ball Z, which is a horrible movie. And then Alita comes out and goes, no, no, you can make it if you actually make a good movie. Mm-hmm. The problem is if when you make a bad movie, don't blame it because it's an anime movie, blame it because it's a bad movie. So, so what about video games? Can video games be artwork? Yeah, I just said that because they're moving. Yeah, he said that. So, well, so the the reason why, (laughs) God, I hate you both. (laughs) Nothing but love. I know, I know, I know. Because there's a guy on, and I like a lot of the stuff that he does. Maybe because I'm not an artist, and and I and I kind of think it's kind of neat. but there's this guy, Dead End Thrills. He's got a website called Dead End Thrills. And what he does is, I don't think he proclaims himself to be an artist. I don't think he does. I think other people have. Um, but he plays video games and he takes screenshots. But he tries to take screenshots using uh, a photographer's eye. I think, the, I think he's a trained photographer. I think he went to school for photography or whatever. And I think he does act legitimate photography. And so he combined his love of photography with his his hobby of playing video games. And this is a screenshot that he took out of um, Skyrim. Um, you know, and, and he, he has, a, he runs additional software on his computer so that he can pause the game and he can, he can decouple the, uh, the camera from where it normally resides. So he can stretch the camera out and move it around within the environment so that he can capture the shot that he wants to capture. Now he's not changing anything in the code to get something like that he's using the actual scene in the in the world how does does this differ from any other type of photography that we might consider to be art is this would you consider this to be art or not uh i'm interested in your guys's thoughts well i mean for me uh, if 
if you look at it from the definition of actually being able to capture something, even if it is for your own enjoyment, and then creating a product, um, to Paul's point, that other people would per this is something that I would like this picture right here, the way the sunlight's coming in, reflecting off of everything, I could actually see owning something like that. That is art that I would like to probably I would not mind having. And so for me, yes, I'd say that's absolutely art. Uh, I, I feel and say I, no. I yeah. feel I felt it. I, know, I could I knew. feel I, it. That's no. why I that's why I jumped here, in first because I wouldn't have my opportunity. <laughs> I can here, feel the here's my example here's oozing my example. through the internet. If you have the Mona Lisa hanging on the wall and you take a picture of the Mona Lisa, are you now an artist? Ah, no, 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 no. Time out. Pause. He didn't say, Are you the artist? He said, Is it art? Okay, is it art? No. It's okay. a picture of the Mona Lisa. It's a picture of okay. now, the the oh. artists. They, though here's my point. I was kind of the hoping the other way that, because then of me taking a picture of, of Michelangelo's David would make me an artist. But go ahead. Because <laughs> here's the thing: is the, the artist that actually rendered that in, I believe that's real engine, and actually did all the poly work, did all the lighting, the photons, and everything else. That's an artist. All you're doing is you're just saying, look what the artist made. And and I I you're, all you're doing is documenting. An no, artist. I absolutely do. Yeah. But okay. I, I did see. No, uh, dang it, because I'm going to steal your example. And it wasn't the Mona Lisa. It was another. Shoot, it was another painting. And they there was a a photographer who actually took a picture of a mother and daughter, where the mother's trying to comfort um, a daughter and explain a piece of art that she's looking at that is somehow inspired in the, and the photographer captured this moment. And it was actually quite a, um, a moving picture. Now I'm going to have to go try and find it. Okay. But that example is not quite right. Would be more of a perfect example would be if the mother and father of mother and son or whatever, looking at the artwork was a picture. And then that person took a picture of that picture because now if it's a real life mother and daughter interacting with art, you're not taking picture of the art, you're taking pictures of the interaction of the mother and son interacting with another something else. It doesn't even have to be art. It can be a kitten laying on the ground. They're into, you're taking the, the human reactions of somebody reacting to something else. If it was just a flat picture that you were taking a picture of, that's what this guy did. Because that, that, that video game is a flat two-dimension. It, it looks 3D. It's 2D. It's not okay. really a 3D no, 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 no. Yeah, I, so I get what all, you're all he's so. doing is taking a picture of another 2D object that somebody else has rendered because your computer just rendered it. So he hasn't done anything other than hit screen print. That's all he's done. Look, pretty picture. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that's what it's like. Like in your example, yes, that is art because you, you're, you're actually showing the interaction of a human emotion to something else. Mm -hmm. So, so let, me ask the, let me ask it this way. Is, is there, are there different levels or gradations of, of art? So obviously, I think, I think we could probably agree that somebody like Michelangelo or da Vinci would be considered a, a, a high level of art. Um, but is, is something more like photography more of a, of a lower level of art? Because even the photographer isn't, you know, he didn't make any of the environment, right? But he's, he's positioning things and, and, you know, uh, ass assessing for light and shadow and, and all of that and has to compose what's actually going to wind up on, on, on the, the final, you know, in the final frame. So maybe that's just a lower level of art. I mean, would we go that far and put different levels? And Jason is laughing at me right now. Before Jason. I, 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 <laughs> you, 
I'm sorry. At this point in the game, you are only a level one artist. So you can only, you can only work in. You, you haven't leveled when, up. When you level up to where you're now a level five artist, these other mediums are now available to you. That's, that's, that's what I heard the whole time you were talking about it. But, um, that's funny. Paul, do you have, I know you have an opinion on that. Um, I believe art's binary. It is or it isn't. It is or it isn't? Yeah. You're a very face value kind of guy, Paul. I like you. Because here's the thing is like, if you're, let's say you're a sculptor, you look at that sculptor, the the rape of Persephone. I keep saying Persephone, but it's not Persephone. But anyway, and you're a sculptor, that's fantastic. So in your like field, everything in your field is equal to you. So you being a sculptor, you think that sculptor is, is fantastic. A photographer sees a good picture who, as you said, uses the right camera lens and everything. That's art to him. So it's, it's very binary. It is or is or isn't. And they're all equal. It just depends on which, what you consider personally is more important to you. So I, I like sculpture. I like painting. I like artwork. Photography does nothing for me. But I still understand that that is an art. And it, it's no lesser than what a painting is if done well. It's still a skill. True. What, what about, what about somebody like a, uh, like a composer? Um, I think there are a lot of, especially if we look at like classical music, for example, as are you the, artwork. Are you talking about the guy that's actually writing? The, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That's art. But, but even, but even the person writing it. So somebody like Mozart, yeah, yes, Mozart's he could play, an artist. you know, yes, he could play the, the different instruments, but to play a symphony, he can't do it by himself. But that's, that's exactly like saying the photographer is not a photographer because he can't make the camera. Okay. Same thing. It, it, just because you need tools to do it doesn't mean you're not an artist. What do you think, Jason? He does this all the time. He starts laughing and I can see him laughing and I'm like, what the hell are you laughing about? I, <laughs> and there's like something, there's some little play that happens in his own mind that only he can see and that he I, gets your enjoyment out of. I, so it, it's really, really interesting listening to Paul talk to you and uh-huh. you pose this really intriguing question. He goes, no, that's stupid. <laughs> and I, I welcome to, to my world no, to no, our relationship. the cool part is i know i've had you i've seen other people watch you and i have conversations and uh-huh. just sit there and go wow um i get to see what that looks like now yeah. with paul doing that with you um <laughs> so it's it's really it's kind of like a mind out of body experience oh yeah uh, it, it's really kind of neat um, I, I agree with Paul. Um, an act, uh, somebody who can actually compose music, and I'm, I'm a little biased in that arena. That I have a lot of music in my background, and I absolutely 100% uh, believe that art is, or excuse me, that music is art. Composition of music is art level five to your previous <laughs> because it really is there's it's beyond beyond performance mm-hmm. being able to take someone's instruction and perform and use your your instrument which is your paintbrush your pencil your your art kit and come and create feeling and emotion from that 
is incredible. To actually create an entire symphonic piece, which pulls every single one of those other components into it, is masterful beyond, I think, what anybody out there can really comprehend unless you've ever attempted it. Well, I, I think there are different, I think that's a, like, I think a symphony is a perfect example, or maybe even a band for, but I think a symphony is a perfect example of, of a group of artists coming together to perform a piece of art that was created by another artist. Because, you know, Mozart couldn't, can't produce, I mean, can't play all of the instruments, right? And even though he's been long dead now, but you have however many people are in a symphony, a hundred or over a hundred people yeah. or however many it is, that they all have to come together individually as their own artists of and expertise of playing that particular musical instrument. And they have to now play all that together to produce that final, that final sound that was laid down in music by, by Mozart. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I think that's a, I, I think that's kind of a, a on par with like things like film and video games because a, a film, while you may have a director, you have all kinds, you might have thousands of people that are involved in the creation of that, of a single film, but we might look at it and declare that that film is art, but there were a lot of people that went into the making of that. Yeah, but it's not so, even, if you think about it this way, it's not even just film, a paint, a painting. You have a person who had to make the canvas, had to make the wood, had to cut the wood for the canvas frame, had to make the pigments, had to make the paintbrush. It's not just the painter that makes it done. So all that together makes the painting. Same thing with like digital art. It's zeros and ones that make up the, the computer program that allow you to make digital art. So, I mean, the art's the end product. It's not the artist is that the person who actually applies the end product. But there's a, everything has steps getting up to where the artist is before he can actually apply for the end product. Because I mean, Mozart's symphony is the end product. Everyone else is just his paintbrush. So Mozart is the artist, not the actual people playing it. So the, 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 the musicians themselves are more of the components of the actual art itself. Yeah, they're the paintbrushes. Hmm. And without them, he couldn't make it. But without Mozart, there's nothing. Without Mozart, there's nothing. Yeah, without him, it all falls apart. Yeah, where the people playing can be replaced with other people. Okay, fair enough. Jason, you look like you're really deep in thought. Oh, no, I am. But it's, um, and again, I, 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 maybe I understand. for me, it's the wine. I, you know, <laughs> this is, <laughs> well, on. and it, um, I know when I was playing a piece of music, um, there were parts of it that I would connect and, and add to and put my own, um, emotional emphasis on. So, I, I absolutely understand on face value exactly what Paul's saying, and, and I'm not going to necessarily disagree the point. Um, because when you're playing a written piece of music, yeah, there, there's instructions. I mean, those are your instructions on what you are to do. How loud, how soft, how fast, how slow, um, how high, how low, and you know how that goes. Um, so I can understand that from, from that point 100%. Um, free association music is entirely different. Um, and when you have a group of people who are playing for the sake of the music themselves or itself, excuse me, that I believe changes the dynamic a little bit, but that's no different than I think to Paul's point than, um, a bunch of people just free association writing or painting or whatever that would be. It changes that. 
Well, I think also a big difference is like, let's say you're in a band and you're the lead guitar. You're the only guitar. So you have a lot of lead way. In a symphony, you'll be one of 17 violinists. You can't just go do your own thing. You have to be in sync with the other 17. So I think that's a big difference also with a smaller band compared to a symphony. Well, because sure. it's just so like with you're in a band of like well, you have a, a lead a bass a singer and a drummer there's a lot of lead way there when you get into like you know the hundreds of people playing you don't have that lead way anymore oh, and you're more absolutely. of a cog in the wheel type yeah and it, when you when you've got an actual symphonic orchestra and there's 200 people in attendance yeah you're sorry you what you added in your own way to that piece is probably going to be missed yeah. um, <laughs> if anything um but you know when you look at um like the jazz bands um, that I played in where you've got um, only one instrument per part, you know, that changes that dynamic incredibly. And um, there were a lot of sets that we did where there was no music, you know, the, the 12 bar blues, if you're familiar with that is just um, a repeating set and it's all ad lib in the moment. Um, and we did that a lot. So, and that does change that dynamic, um, overwhelmingly and then yes i think there's a two true artistic quality which really um strings through that whole uh, group even on an individual level plus i think if you go for like a jazz you're looking for the personalities of the people playing it too mm -hmm. i think that's part of the the especially live any type of live band like of a small venue you're going for the the atmosphere of the actual artists playing right there and adding their own little thing to it sure where yeah. in the symphony if the drummer's going crazy over in the corner you're like, what the hell's wrong with that drummer over there? <laughs> Dude, back on. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So I have another question for you guys. We've got, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was this, um, well, before I get into that, let me just, let me kind of preface it with this. The, the First Amendment of the Constitution actually recognizes technically a lot of artwork as free speech. So it does look at things like painting and writing, poetry, music, et cetera, uh, as forms of speech. And I think that is the right approach. I think to look at, um, because you can create it, you could create artwork, even if it's rudimentary art, even if it's, you know, basic caricatures or a comic book or something like that. Not to, again, don't, no offense to Paul, <laughs> but uh, if you're creating what I would consider a non Rembrandt style of artwork, Right, you can create that with a political flair. You can poke fun. We obviously we have political cartoons, for example, that poke fun at politicians, etc. And so those things do fall under the category of free speech. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, there was a school board in Alaska that uh, banned several um, several books from the curriculum and said um, these books cannot be read in school. They, in fact, they they can't be taught. And they're not going to be found even in our libraries. They completely removed them. Books like Catch-22, which I don't understand why Catch-22 was included in this particular, um, this, this particular list. Um, but Catch-22 was one of them. Invisible Man was one of them. The Great Gatsby was another one. Um, you know, right or wrong. I mean, what are your, what are your guys' guys's thoughts on this? I mean, if we're going to ban, I mean, for me, this is those kinds of things that if we're going to ban books, um, then what other kinds of forms of art are we going to ban? Are we going to ban things like Paul's comic book because it has to deal with demons in it? 
right? And there might be certain schools that want to ban that, or are we going to, you know, what does that, what does that, how does that damage our society or what effect does that have on society? Well, and it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, um, especially with books. I mean, the last person I remember talking about banning and burning books, I mean, you can talk to Eva Braun, but um, we don't even have to get that far. I mean, I know, and I'm sure both of you guys are aware, cops, live PD, those got pulled off of the airwaves, right? Yeah. Um, so, and we haven't really talked about animation, whether we consider that art or not. Paul, yay or nay? Yes, no, quick. Oh, easy. Yes, it is. He's okay. Say yes. So <laughs> if that's the case and we, and we really should protect um, art as a form of free speech, which is what I made a case before too, that's kind of a platform um, that, you know, you can't touch me, you can't do anything with me because it's my form of expression and it's art. So piss off. Um, did you guys hear that Paw Patrol is being threatened right now to get yanked? Yes, because there's a, there's a, I never watched Paw Patrol, but apparently there's a dog that I don't, yeah, I don't think it's your demographic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not your target audience anymore, Lucy. Um, Can can I just say that I think I've had a little too much wine? (laughs) That's that's all right. I'm on my second white trash wine right here. This is really good. But um, yeah, uh, Paw Patrol <laughs> is actually Paul doesn't great. drink for those listen for those listening. Well, he's an artist. You don't want anything uh, interrupting his free flow of ideas and creativity. So, mm-hmm. Kudos. There you go. <laughs> That's it. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, where there, there's the short answer to your question is it's it's a very slippery slope. And I remember talking to you about things that were being propped up as art that just generally pissed me off and upset me. Um, but if we're going to protect art as a form of free speech and we're going to protect free speech, then art should be protected. Even art that I find disgusting. What do you think, Paul, about these books I being banned? De- depends on the school that banned them. Because if it's an elementary school, yeah, I could see them banning certain books. There's no reason for like a kid to read 1984 at age four. There's just not, there's no reason for it because it's it just, it's not helpful to their development. But I mean, if you're in high school, I, I'm, I'm hardcore libertarian on this. After you're an adult, it's whatever you want to read or watch or whatever you want to do. But as, as a very young kids, there are things that are not appropriate. So this particular was in this particular instance was with a, um, a school district and um, they banned it. It affects, it oh, so it's like, hits the high schools really, yeah, not the great schools. That's yeah. Because dumb. no, no third grader is going to be reading, you know, uh, catch 22, but they would certainly be, or the great Gatsby, but you know, junior sophomores in high school would probably be reading that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it just overzealous people looking for things to ban at this point. That's all it comes down to. And I, I don't think, First Amendment should really apply just to art as a whole, because you know you get just, just stuff that that can be protected. That's like okay, as as a government to come in with guns to protect it, because that's what you're talking about. Certain things are just not worth it, because laws become are only enforced by people with guns, and it, it's just not artwork is not on that level. If if a museum says, hey, you can't show this. You should not be able to go to the government and go, no, I'm forcing the museum to show this because it's my freedom of speech. Because then the dude with a gun is going to show up and force him to do it. 
And as a libertarian, I say, no, that's not right. If, if your artwork is a good enough artwork, you should have no problem finding an audience. You, you know, there's a, there's a movie that comes to mind called Birth of a Nation. I don't know if either of you have seen it. Um, Are you talking about the new one or the old one? The old one, the original one back in like, what is it, 1905 or something like that? Yeah, like 1910, I think it was. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, what's interesting about that, that particular movie, I had to watch it in college. Uh, and I think I was the only person in my class who actually watched the film. Um, for those who, don't, who haven't seen Birth of a Nation, it, it takes place right after the Civil War. And it's all about... Uh, the construction period, the reconstruction period where the South is trying to put itself back together. Um, and, you know, after following the civil war and it, um, it basically shows the rise of the, of the KKK. And there's a, there's a tremendous, there's a huge scene at the end where the KKK, they ride off, you know, to and very to well light. It shows them in very nice light. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's very, that. it's very romanticized. It romanticizes the KKK um and you had there were you know whites who were in black literally in blackface playing um playing blacks um <laughs> there's even a scene where the where blacks have taken over like the state legislature in i think georgia or something like that and they're eating fried chicken and they're 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 portrayed as monkeys i mean seriously literally they're like hanging from the rafters and uh, it's it's pretty ludicrous it really is ludicrous but that the movie is typically banned. Uh, I know a couple of years ago, there was a group that was trying to show the birth of a nation in Los Angeles. And there was a protest outside um, that encouraged the banning of the film. And we're literally barring people from entering the, the movie theater to see it. But what I found interesting about birth of a nation wasn't so much the content. It's, it's ludicrous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, it's just everything about it is just ludicrous, but there are certain movie making qualities about the film that is quite interesting. And when you watch the film, for example, the, the ride of the KKK toward the end, it's very difficult in film to move the camera and let alone a camera that was designed and built back in 1910. Right. I mean, now we have, we have little tiny cameras, but back then they had cameras that literally had to be mounted on, on trucks. And so you're talking about, trying to move a camera and keeping everything in focus and, and all this, the, the sheer movie making quality of it is actually pretty good, you know, for just from what it takes to make the film um, and to analyze it from that perspective. Uh, it saddens me when movies like the birth of a nation are considered hate speech um, for, for literally it's racial overtones, but I'm, I'm of the mind that why not let people see it? Why not let people come to their own conclusions? I mean, it's ridiculous. If you have any, nobody believes that blacks were eating fried chicken in the Georgia State House and hanging from the rafters. I mean, who believes that? Nobody thinks that the KKK was created, you know, um, for, you know, to maintain the moral authority of the South. Um, although KKK members would probably believe that, but uh, nobody else believes that. Yeah, all nine of them. Yeah, yeah, literally all nine of them. Um, but anyway, I just I, I thought that was just kind of interesting because we have people that that are happy to ban certain pieces of. Yeah, but here's the funny part: that let's juxtapose yeah. that with they do not ban Hannibal Lecter. The dude eats people, and they have no problem showing that movie. <laughs> well, but he he eats people of all races and sex equally. Yeah, so so it's yeah, a so, movie about I mean, equality and actually. transvestites even. 
Yeah. yeah so I'm just like, it, he, yeah, he doesn't gender stereotype anyway. No, no, he does not. So I'm just saying their their selective outrage is retarded because right. it's like it, the horror movie should be banned on that 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 premise right there. Jason ban him because he literally just murders people. Like any of those uh, the movie that White uh, Rob Zombie made those uh, ones with the the weird oh god those are terrible like the, the hills have eyes or House of a Thousand Corpses House of, House of a Thousand Corpses, Corpses and the other awful. one. They're they're awful, but they're made to be awful, and yeah. there's no redeeming quality. But no. in the grand scheme of things, if you if you're worried about influencing people, yeah, that's not a movie you should be that should be banned. I mean, where do you stop? Mm-hmm. But they're exactly. not they're selective outrage. I mean, they they just ban or didn't ban, but they're they're not showing Gone with the Wind anymore on HBO Max. Why? Right. Because just because because something happened in history, and then people are mad at it. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I think that was actually uh, uh, deemed sexist. Well, it was it was filmed. You know, the story takes place in the antebellum South, um, and, and you know that's that was a time period where slavery was was common. And, um, and the funny thing is, those people who are talking about haven't watched it. They no. are not shown in good light the South at all. And the main character Scarlet is a selfish little bitch throughout the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. And she's and, constantly and she's, suffering for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She suffers and, for the entire movie. And Rhett is, by the way, a spy for the North. Yes. And so, the South crumbles in the movie. The South yeah, falls apart. It shows Savannah cut burning it. Yeah, the Savannah burns to the ground. Yeah, so it's like uh, it's, by, it's, by Union not, soldiers attacking it. Yeah, it's not shown as the South is like this heroic thing in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, these people haven't watched it. Yeah. They haven't. They haven't watched the movie. They don't, they don't know that that the one. I think there was like maybe two slaves shown in the entire film. One of whom the actress won the Academy Award. She was. The oh first. no, there's, there's a bunch of slaves in it. The Is there? There. Yeah. I, I remember. They're like. Was, you remember they're like tying up Scarlet in her corset and stuff. Oh, with their foot yeah. against her back and stuff like. Yeah, there's a bunch of them in there. Well, I know that there's the one. There's the one primary slave in the in the film. She and the actress won the first Academy Award for a black actress um for that for that portrayal for that part yeah well um, she's actually like a secondary character the main sure, slave yeah. is the little girl that's like i don't know anything about birth and babies that little girl it's oh. like the main character <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're right so. but but the, the but to your point right nobody has seen that film nobody who is complaining about gone with the wind has seen it because if they had seen it they know that the south falls during that film yeah. um they know that the whole movie is about you know, destroying the the southern way of life and freeing slaves and 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 all of that. I mean, that's that's happening in the background of the film, um, and and it's sad now that HBO just in a kind of a knee jerk reaction has banned has banned it. I mean, we've seen Huckleberry Finn um, banned as as books from uh, you know, and that's a that's a piece that hits close to home with Jason and I. You know, um, because Mark Twain being a, a Freemason and all. Um, but you, you know, there's a there's a thing also that people I think people today are too busy looking at artwork that was created in the past, and they're looking they're judging that artwork through the lens of today, and I don't think that that's appropriate. I think you have to consider the context in which that piece that that in which it was created. You have to you have to consider that, and you have to look at the full context of it. Even with Gone with the Wind, yes, it wasn't made in you know the late 1800s. But it talks about a story in the late 1800s, and and you have to look at the things that are going on not only contextually within the film, and then contextually around the making of the film. Well, they, they, you got to see it as a, they're playing a game of telephone. They've never watched a movie; mm-hmm. they just heard about it, and then they're banning it because of that. 
and they think that they know what's going on about it. I mean, it's the same thing as if you want to start banning that, the, the movies, the 300, ban that. Because Spartans, two-thirds of their freaking uh, civilization was slaves. And they treated them like crap. Yeah. Well, and, and they, they tossed babies into the pits when they were born. If yeah. they didn't look like they were going to be strong warrior men, <laughs> I mean, sent them out to fight a wolf, and and women so, were not exactly revered then either. Well, okay, off he go in the pits with you, baby. Um, but you guys are focusing on the wrong parts of Gone with the Wind. Okay, you're not focusing on because if you try and take it to a level of well, yeah, the South fell. Um, it wasn't really, you know, the South didn't prosper. Slavery was ended. We know all that. None of this is about the fact that the South fell or the end result that slaves were freed, the end result that any, it has everything to do with that it happened. And it, because it happened and because slavery was real and because though that oppression happened, that's what we have to grab hold of. That's what we have to never let go of. I mean, that's that we're seeing that right now. Um, we haven't had slavery of, of black Americans in this country for a very long time. And we're still paying for it. It's not about the end, what happened in the end. It's not about the fact that it's done. It's not about the fact that we've moved on since then. It's that, no, we've got to lay hold of what happened then because we need everybody um, to be aware of that. Good talk. Good talk. All right. Okay. So any, any parting, any parting words or, or thoughts that you don't think that we covered that maybe we just have some uh, final closing thoughts on uh, Paul, I'll start with you. Do you have anything? I think other than just the artwork is it needs to be looked at a little bit more of a excruciating light Yeah. because we just say everything's art. And as I said, if everything's art, nothing's art. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Jason, any part, any any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I've got a, a a question that I kind of pondered with my wife back and forth a little bit, um, and I'm not going to tell you what conclusions we came to because where's the fun in that? Okay. Um, but I'll ask Paul as an artist: um, Do you feel that there is a vital or integral part in our society for art, and what role does that fill for us as a society or even a species going forward are you talking about as a if humans have to have it to survive no no i'm not saying we what role does it serve is it vital in any sort of way and and if so how and i mean as an artist why why should societies be protective and why should we as a society be protective of art only reason i say you have to be protective of art is because it's your culture your art represents your culture. So if your society has a culture, it's represented through your art. So that's why destroying art, I think, is a very bad thing to do. Because even if it's art you don't like anymore, such as a Confederate statue somewhere, that's still somebody's artwork they try to make, and it, it represents that. So it's like it, it's, it's a physical record of what's going on. I mean, Michelangelo's painting at the 16th Chapel is a, not only just artwork, it's a physical representation of that time period of the beliefs of the people. If you just win, just like just demolish that building, a little piece of history dies. So that's why I think you should now as a, as a practical is art needed by the human species. No, I don't think so. I don't think it is because it's, it's, 
what it what it really comes down to is when humans get bored, that's why we start doing artwork. And the same thing is with music and everything else. It's it's, it's comes from bo- when we don't have to worry about the Velociraptor eating us anymore. We have to find something to do with our lives, <laughs> and hence art. Good, I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much, um, Paul. Where can people find your comic? Uh, Littleballofhate.com. Littleballofhate.com and on Amazon. If you go out yeah. to Amazon.com, do a search for Little Ball of Hate. It's going to pop up. You can buy it instantly, read it right away. Um, I highly recommend it. I have been reading it. I read book one, and you've got um, several. I mean, each book is broken up into different chapters, right? And you, yeah. you're writing book two. Book right two now. is going to be eight chapters, and the fourth one comes out Tuesday. Excellent. A um, lot of good stuff out there um, that Paul's working on. So uh, definitely go out and check it out. Um, as far as us, you can catch us on Facebook at AZ Fusion Underground and our website, azfusionunderground.net. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at the SU Brothers. You can find us all there. So for Jason Moret and Paul Baba, I'm Manuel Ramirez. Good night, everybody. Cheers. Peace. <laughs>